coming up on This Week in Games, COVID-19 and its impact on the game industry, an update on GDC, and Roblox raises a giant fundraising round from powerful investors, coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and you know, unfortunately, this is a crummy week for the game industry. Many corners of the industry are impacted by the ongoing viral threat, and it's kind of at the point shaping the world economy. Um, let's kick it off. The big story of the week is the novel coronavirus or COVID-19 and its impact on the game industry as a whole. So first kind of came revenue warnings, right? Lower production values, not production values, lower uh, production due to supply chain issues. Ubisoft spoke of a disrupted Q3 earnings due to disruption on Chinese production. Take-Two said the port of the Outer Worlds to the Switch was being delayed due to their Chinese partner, Virtuos, who was a major part of the port development, um, has stopped working due to the virus. Facebook announced that there's an ongoing shortage of Oculus hardware due to the viral impact, the viral virus impacting production in China. And then esports events started going wayside. So PUBG, Overwatch, and League of Legends started canceling esports events in China. And then the threat of the virus bled to other territories as major esports events in Berlin, South Korea, even America were canceled or delayed. And now hardware's being impacted. All three major consoles, the Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4, are manufactured in Taiwan, which is right next to China, and depending on your political beliefs, a part of China, I guess. Um, And Taiwan's shutting down factories. You know, most of these are made at Foxconn factories in Taiwan. They're shut down with concerns over the spread of the virus. New Nintendo hardware is impacted the most, specifically an Animal Crossing-themed Switch, as well as the new Ring Fit Adventure. If production halts continue, Switch availability in general could be impacted, and no word on how the Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5 are impacted by this. You know, We don't know, because a lot of chips have to be made way ahead of time, and everything has to be assembled, packaged, and shipped to get ready for what's likely going to be a Q4 launch of those two consoles. Then the conferences started getting impacted. And so MyDot Games, the big Russian publisher, pushed back its upcoming event in April, the Big Deal Conference, which I've never heard of, but we can assume, like the name states, it's a big deal, especially for Russian and related territories, maybe like Ukraine. Facebook canceled its big developer event of the year, F8, um, which was to occur at the beginning of May in San Jose. They already canceled it. Facebook plans to hold the conference digitally in live stream form, but this will likely hurt Facebook's adoption of new technology. Not Facebook itself, but other people's adoption of new technology. Along with F8, Facebook was one of the first major companies to withdraw from GDC, which I'll cover in a minute. And Google is still holding on to their developer conference, I.O., which is also to occur later in May. So video game major conferences, PAX East occurred this week. Today is actually the last day. Last week, Sony Interactive Entertainment withdrew from PAX Expo, completely citing virus concerns. And on Monday, the Boston mayor, Marty Walsh, pleaded with the Japanese giant to reconsider leaving PAX East. That's how impactful this was to kind of the Boston economy that the entire mayor publicly asked Sony to rejoin the 
PAX East. On Tuesday, Square Enix and Capcom joined with Sony to withdraw from PAX East. Despite the viral threat, however, PAX East still went on and reports say thousands still flooded the Boston area for the expo and it went off without a hitch, which is great. GDC was not so lucky. So the Game Developer Conference. So if you haven't listened to this, I break this down all the time. GDC is for, you know, on the grounds developers on games. That's who it's kind of best for. Everyone from like entry level associates up to directors. Everyone who's working on a game has games, is a game company trying to secure deals. DICE is kind of for executives. And then E3 is kind of for the public and marketing now, a lot of people blend between all three of those, um, but that's that's a general that's my general idea of those three events. On Monday, Facebook, PlayStation, and Kojima Productions announced they would not be attending GDC 2020, which was coming up in two weeks, honestly, in the middle of March. Facebook said Oculus Presence will be there to make exciting announcements, but the company will not have a large staff on standby. Kojima Productions said its withdrawal included the talk by Kojima himself and another talk by lead AI engineer at Kojima Productions. On Tuesday, publisher EA pulled out, citing restrictions on non-essential travel for all EA employees. And Wednesday was likely to death blow to any hope that GDC was going to actually occur. The mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, announced a state of emergency for San Francisco, which not that I'm in San Francisco right now, we're not in a state of emergency, but it's a strategic attempt to unlock specific emergency funds and procedures that are only available if you declare a state of emergency for your city. At the time of the announcements, and as far as I know reporting this right now, there are no known cases of the coronavirus in San Francisco proper. Thursday saw Unity pull out of GDC, and you know Unity's based here in San Francisco, for, so for a local company that could walk to GDC to pull out, and probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, major sponsor GDC to pull out kind of brought a lot of concerns. And then Friday was the big exodus. So Friday saw Chicago-based studio Iron Galaxy Studios, Microsoft, Amazon, and Activision Blizzard withdrew their attendance. Even publications such as Polygon said they would no longer be in attendance. Epic and Unity alone roughly made up half the expo floor last year at GDC. So missing them plus major technology services and publisher would likely lead GDC a barren wastelands of indies and work for hire studios networking with each other, which is not exactly bad. It sounds great, but it's not worth, you know, I paid $1,600 for a ticket to GDC and it's not worth booking the Moscone Center for. So Saturday, yesterday, GDC sent out emails stating that the event would be postponed. I should also state GDC could have handled this better up until even like Thursday. GDC was still saying the event was going to go on and that they still plan to hold it. I think um, Friday when Microsoft, Epic, Amazon, Activision, Blizzard withdrew, GDC had to you know, change everything because they're not only withdrawing, they're also not letting their employees go and give talks. They're also not giving presentations. They're not setting up booths. So when the whole expo floor is going to be empty and a lot of your present presenters are not going to be there, I think uh, GDC finally had to pull the plug, but they were still planning. It seemed like they were still planning on going on. So Saturday, GDC sent out an email stating that the event will be postponed. Tickets will be refunded. 
Hotels booked through GDC will be refunded all within four to six weeks. GDC pass holders will still receive access to the GDC vault in around three weeks. Awards from the IGF and GDC awards will be handed out as planned, and those awards will kind of some somehow be live streamed the announcements of the awards. Talks will be posted online, and GDC has asked that speakers record themselves giving the presentation anyways and send the video to GDC to be posted online. And actually, all the award show stuff and the talks will be put online for free for everyone. Now, it's very sad, and it's sad for a lot of reasons. Like, GDC is incredibly important to the game industry, more important than most people know. It's the lifeblood in networking and securing funding for deals for smaller indie or just smaller developer studios in general. It is where new games are shown behind closed doors to get distribution deals. It is where new services are presented to generate hype and show off their capabilities and get developers to like pivot, you know, to use, you know, this, I don't know, online matchmaking service versus another. It's a town hall with some of the most important game developers drop their game development knowledge and share it in front of the entire industry for everyone to absorb this is where many students and newcomers land their first jobs make their first impressions and kind of begin their game industry journey and it's also a place where people get inspired i i challenge anyone to go to gdc go to a bunch of talks go to the expo floor meet a bunch of developers and not leave there wanting to start a studio of your own and finally make that game that you've been thinking about or talking about forever and actually feeling like you can do it and that might be the most important thing so i had a lot of plans for this gdc myself i was going to show an alpha build of a game i've been working on i was going to hand out new business cards for my llc i was going to make contacts with artists and programmers that i might hit up to join a game development endeavor in the future i was planning on attending the pre-expo summits and learning as much as i can about small studio marketing and the economics of what success means financially in indie small and even double a markets GDC not occurring means that I also miss the opportunity to see a lot of old friends from my earliest days of game development to pre, like, before 2010 people that I knew all the way up to today, which is probably the biggest loss. Like, there's no other time where friends from across the world, across the country, you know, even across California that I won't get a chance to see them now because they're no longer coming here. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Game Dev World has set up a relief fund for marginalized game developers that were impacted by GDC's cancellation and cannot recoup the costs and the costs being so impactful that it impacts the future of their studio. So I wanted to put that one out there. You can go to HTTPS gamedev.world slash relief to send them a message and let them know. Maybe they can help you. GDC is said to be postponed until summer. Summer, however, doesn't give like an exact date, and a lot of people are booking internationally, so they're likely not going to come to this vague summer GDC. And with talks and awards already been posted online by then, this summer GDC will likely be a networking event if it happens at all in 2020, which again, isn't terrible, but also isn't GDC. You know what I mean? That being said, there are plenty of people that will be in SF during the original GDC week and are planning to have social or networking events. Please look online to see when and where those are happening, and I highly encourage everyone in the area to attend if they can. <sighs> All right, let's go on to other game industry news. So sad. Like, losing GDC is 
I don't know, like punching the entire industry in the gut. It's it's the worst. Like I'd rather, I think everyone would rather lose E3 instead of GDC. Everyone would rather lose DICE instead of GDC. Like, I don't know. To me, GDC is like the pinnacle. It's the epitome of being in the game industry and going there and getting inspired, learning, networking, seeing what everyone else is doing. You get to talk to like indie developers people nominate it for awards and actually sit there and talk to them and they're very open they share their brain like oh here's how i made this game here's how i marketed it here's why i thought about these mechanics versus those mechanics here's how i did the art it's all there and uh god it just sucks it sucks but let's move on i can't just uh whine and cry about gdc not happening all podcasts so on to actually game industry business news epic has a spat with super data so Epic says Superdata isn't properly reporting accurate Fortnite performance metrics. So the Nielsen-owned Superdata is under-reporting Fortnite's revenue and performance according to an Epic representative. This is in response to a report Superdata put out stating that Fortnite is on a continued revenue and user decline, hitting its lowest levels since 2017. Epic reached out to GameIndustry.biz to clarify Superdata. These are my own words. Basically sucks, and I guess... Uh, you shouldn't listen to them. <laughs> you know, what do you want me to say? Superdata responded saying, quote, it uses a proven methodology and a validation process, whatever that means. Um, this is pretty funny. I just thought it was a funny article. I'm behind Epic on this. Like these third-party data intelligent firms aren't always right. Sometimes they aren't even close. There are two games I've worked on where I was actively working on the game. And while I was working on them, uh, they were getting severely underreported by revenue. And I've heard similar things from other developers. Like, I think they were saying we were making like 75, 75% of the revenue we were actually making. Like that was their estimate. And it, it was like, it made us look really bad when I'm like, no, 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 I see the numbers right here. We're, we're killing those uh, estimations. That being said, I mean, if you want dirt on your competitors, you, you have nowhere else to turn. Like super data probably is the best for what they do. I mean, there's a couple of competitors out there, but you have to turn to one of these data aggregators. And if I had the money, I, I would pay for the I would pay for super data. I would pay for app any access. I would I would pay for this access. It's very valuable. And even if it's wrong, you can almost think about it like let's say super data is wildly wrong on a lot of games, which they may probably aren't. Okay. You can still use super data as a normalized metric against other super data data. So you look how super data collects their data, and you say, well, Fortnite is one, and an Apex Legend is 0.75 Fortnite, and then we can normalize everything against Fortnite and see how everything else matches up, and then we know roughly maybe how these other... I, I'm not going into a whole spiel, but, you know, you can kind of get more intelligence out of it than looking at the raw performance numbers and assuming they're right and thinking, like, that's the true value of super data. So, so I just find an enjoyment when big companies have public spats with each other and use game industry outlets as the median to say that each other sucks. So that's why I cover these stories. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, next story. That movie by the number Sonic the Hedgehog film sets new record for video game adaptations. Not much of this story. Breaking Detective Pikachu's record by grossing $57 million in its opening weekend. Sonic the Hedgehog is currently the number one movie two weekends in a row. 
All I have to say is Academy Awards 2020 better look out. We have a real contender on our hands. I can't even finish that with a straight face. All right, let's go to some people news. Jason Blundell, who has worked on Call of Duty since 2006's Call of Duty 3, has left Treyarch. He leaves the co he leaves the studio as co-studio head of Treyarch. No word on Blundell's next venture, but damn, like working on Call of Duty straight since 20, 2006, that's fortitude I don't have. Hideo Kojima, the living legend, will receive the highest honors at the BAFTAs, the BAFTA Fellowship Award, at the British Academy of Games Awards in April. This is essentially one of the most important lifetime achievement awards a game developer can receive, so good job, Kojima. And Kazuhisa Hashimoto, known for the creator of the Konami Code, has passed away at 61. That's sad. That's way too early. Legend goes the Konami code was originally developed to make testers have an easier time at the game and was left in because they feared that touching the code before shipping the game would break the game, like anything you touch possibly would break the game. Gamers eventually discovered it, and everyone will forever be doing up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA um, in our hearts. So thank you, Hashimoto. All right, let's get to the business news. Let's do it. Facebook acquires Sanzaru Games. So I, I hate acquisitions by big companies that don't give out tangible numbers. I want to know who's getting paid. I want to know what they're getting paid. However, another acquisition without numbers. Facebook is looking to beef up its Oculus content studios with Adgar's Raft's developer, Sanzaru Games. Sanzaru has worked on Sly Cooper, Sonic, and other third-party games before releasing a trio of Oculus Rift games, Asgard's Wrath being the most recent and likely most successful of the three. I wonder how much the new Half-Life has to do with this acquisition, or if this is more of Facebook's worrying about top VR content makers will abandon the paradigm in favor of more profitable platforms. Like, do does Facebook think Half-Life and Valve are going to take over everything they did in Oculus when the release of Half-Life? Uh, or is Facebook worried that, rightfully, all the top VR content developers who are high quality are going to abandon the paradigm because there's no money to be made? And Facebook's currently making a big bet on Oculus and still doubling down on it, to be honest. And if everyone abandons VR, it'll be a longer shot than it currently is that that bet will pay off. Next up, Platinum Games, mostly known for Bayonetta and Nier Autonoma, will open a new Tokyo studio. The Tokyo studio will house over 100 employees and work on the final installment of what they're calling the superhero trilogy known as Project GG. Now, trilogy doesn't mean this is the third installment in a series of games. It's that it's the third superhero-focused game by Platinum Games, the first two installments being Beautiful Joe and The Wonderful 101. Platinum Honestly, in my opinion, is one of the top-tier action game companies, so anything they've ventured to is worth a purchase. Let's all keep an eye out for this. Um, and time for some fundraising news, the subject that gets everyone all tingly inside. In-Game Interactive raises a $3 million seed round. Game Investor Makers Fund will lead the seed round for In-Game, who is working on an auto-battler called Fate Arena. Fate Arena, to me, sounds like a mishmash of Summoner War Sky Arena and Fate Grand Order. <laughs> I think, like, the, I feel like people just have, like, a name generator for, you know, these mashup CCG whatever anime art style games. Um, Endgame was known for being the developer of third-party games. Pokavision is their current, I guess, biggest claim to fame. They also developed a lot of indie multiplayer games with 2017 Zombs. 
Royale.io being their highest claim to fame. And they impressively, to be very impressive, claim to have over a million DAU across their portfolio, or claim to have hit a million DAU before across their portfolio of games. Very impressive for a small studio. Well, let's just see how they play in the ever-competitive world of free-to-play gotcha card game battler RPG mechanics mishmash that kind of everything from Cough Clash to Puzzles and Dragons uses. So keep an eye out for Fate Arena. <laughs> Funcraft raises $1.8 million in a seed round of their own. So Funcraft is a brand-new mobile startup founded by Michael Martinez and Janus Jason McGurk. Um, both of them founded Jukebox Games before that, but Jukebox closed in 2016. Play Ventures, gaming investor mainstay, led the round, but the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mark Pincus, joined along with the CEO of Gucci, CEO of Huge Games, co-founders of Allbirds, Harry's, and Warby Parker. Jesus Christ, that's a who's who of elite business people. I'm, I'm <laughs> sad because like I'm more impressed by the CEO of Gucci investing in this, like, what a great like luxury brand to have behind your game company. Um, but yeah, Martinez and McGurk got some really good friends. Martinez spoke to GamesBeat, saying that Funcraft's goal is to, quote, create new genres and make mobile games that are daily rituals in their players' lives, end quote. That's everyone's goal, but I do like the sound of create new genres. Too many people go into this kind of just wanting to do the same old stuff. So let's see what those new genres are later on. And we're ending with the big one. I saved a positive big story for last because um, I always end with negative ones. So this is a good one. Roblox raises $150 million in the rarely seen Series G. Roblox's eighth fundraising round ties its equally large Series F round, which was uh, in 2018, if I remember correctly. Silicon Valley legends Andrasine Horowitz led the investment round with Tiger Global Management, Tencent Holdings, Temasek Holdings, Miratech Capital Partners, and Altos Ventures joining as well. Half of those investors are previous investors, which is generally a good sign. Tencent, Tiger Global, which is also known as the Tiger Fund, a powerful hedge fund, and Andresine Horowitz in a single round. I'm very impressed. GameIndustry.biz is also reporting that Andresine Horowitz actually offered to acquire up to $350 million stake in the company. And, but they settled for a piece of the 150 million Series G. This actually gives Roblox an estimated $4 billion evaluation, which is absolutely batshit crazy. That's well over Minecraft and other stuff. For those of you who don't know Roblox, go Google it. But Roblox is like if Lego and Minecraft have a child. It's like Legos, but creators can create games and worlds for the players to play in and use the Roblox physics engine. And then people can like join those worlds and play games. So you, you can create like a battle royale game within the Roblox platform. And then people can join your battle royale game. And then you can actually make money off people playing your own game. Roblox is now being evaluated as the platform is reported to be giving out hundreds of thousands of dollars per month to its creators. Now, this is crazy. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, I just listened to a podcast a few weeks ago, it's the A16Z podcast, which is Andrasine Horowitz's own, I guess, podcast. Someone sent it to me, and uh, they had the co-founder of, who was it? Oh, crap. Who was on it? It was one of the early mobile co-founders, Kabam. I think one of the founders or co-founders of Kabam 
was on it, and they were talking about games, and Anderson Horowitz seemed very interested in game platforms, which is what my next point's about. The real reason Roblox is flexing its evaluation numbers is the fact that it actually overtook Minecraft a while back in MAU, and it now claims 115 million monthly active users, which is astronomical, especially for a game that makes money as a platform, meaning they don't even create the content, they create the platform, and other people create the content for other people, which is quite possibly the best thing you could have in games, right? So the best thing you could have is people are the content for other people. So fighting games are great. League of Legends is great. First-person competitive esport first-person shooters are great. And why is that? Because like that Counter-Strike still being played on that same Counter-Strike map. League of Legends only has that one map, really. And people are the content for each other, so you don't have to create content. So you're just eating up that revenue and enjoying that like revenue on your own, which is great. Whereas if you make an MMORPG or something else, you're constantly like fighting the content treadmill, trying to appease the higher end, like super hardcore players as well as the lower end. It creates nightmares. So smart move by Andresine Horowitz. This is exactly what they wanted, a platform where creators create content for each other and Roblox sits back and enjoys the revenue. But 150 million MAU, absolutely crazy. I'll leave you guys with a quick story on Roblox. The last time I lived in San Francisco back in 2012, I was working out at a six-person game development startup during the mobile gold rush many, many years ago. And our CEO decided to shut down the company as we didn't have a runaway hit and my lead engineer actually went to roblox so he got me an interview there i think he went there as director lead in, lead software engineer so i took the train from san francisco the berlin game and i gave one of the worst full day interviews software engineer interviews of my life it was kind of like that legendary interview bombing <laughs> that sits in the back of your mind for the rest of your life it was one of those all-day interviews where you I very clearly failed on the first round, but still had many hours ago. You know, it's like you have the first round software engineer interview, your mind's in the wrong place. You completely like freeze or bomb the first like hour long interview. You look at the clock and you're like, crap, I have five hours to go. <laughs> and you just, it's, you're just bombing all day. Nothing can go right. And uh, when I was leaving there, I said in my mind, you know, it doesn't matter. Roblox looks like shit. It plays like shit. It'll probably be shut down in a few months. I'm probably better off for not working there. And $4 billion later, and I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> you know, I know nothing. That's how I feel half the time in the game industry. As my Japanese language teacher used to say, even monkey fall from tree, meaning everyone makes mistakes. I just said that because I was mad that Roblox rejected me and I really needed a paycheck to cover rent. Um, but it's crazy. It's crazy because I really um, I really couldn't ever imagine them getting here. But the game industry, frankly, just benefits from more successes like this. And they're clearly providing value and happiness to kids everywhere. So congrats, Roblox. You know, you're doing everyone a solid by being worth this amount of money raising money, constantly growing, breaking MAU records. Good job all around. And that's it for this week in games. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave me a comment and let me know how I'm doing. You can email me at eric at this E-R-I-C at thisweekingames.com if you have any comments or suggestions on future stories. 
And that's it for this week in games. I'm Merritt McConnell. No GDC, but I'll be back here next week to cover the game industry news for everyone. Take care, guys.